Well, uh, we, have con we are continuing in our series on unstained, what it means to be unstained. We've been looking at a, a couple of different things. And in order to start this out this evening, uh, I want another volunteer like I did last week, okay? And not Caleb this time. You, Nathan, you want to do this? Volunteer All right, sweet. Uh, he, he doesn't know what he's going to do, but go and come up here. And what I want you to do is I want you to try to cut this paper and make sure that it, it still is a, some kind of like a circle of sorts so that you can create a hole and squeeze your entire body through without breaking the paper. Do you think you can do that? Yeah? All right. You got, you got two minutes. You got two minutes to figure it out, right? To cut it and, and make it happen. Okay, interesting tactic. That's how you cut a circle. It has to be circle. It doesn't have to be circle. It can be how, however, you just can't break the edge of the, like, you, it has to be like a full hole, okay? All the way around. Oh, that's what I'm thinking. Have you done this You're small enough. You might actually be able to do this. I don't know. Should have had Evan do this. <laughs> All right. Without breaking it. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't think you're going to be able to fit your arms through, man. This is going to sound really funny on my recording here. No, you can't. It's got to be all by himself. That was fantastic. <laughs> uh, I actually didn't think that was possible, but 
Wow. That is amazing. Well done. Unbelievable. There's a gift for you. Well, too bad. Wow, that is amazing. Um, there is actually an easier way to do that. Um, you actually, the way you cut it is, is, is how that actually works. If you cut it in like strands like this, you can actually create like a massive hole, like, like this. <laughs> and it becomes like super easy to just, I'll probably end up breaking this, just watch. Wait, how do you cut that? Yeah. Well, I can't show you now. I don't have a piece of paper, but I'll, I can show you afterwards. It's pretty, it's pretty crazy. So anyways, um, so there's another present for you. Um, <laughs> that's awesome. So at first glance, something like that seems like it's going to be impossible. Um, at first, it's kind of like, well, I think I can do it. And then it's like, well, as you get into it, it's like, well, this is going to be, you know, impossible to do. But, uh, but then it actually turns out to be, well, it actually is possible. And as you showed, even unconventional ways or <coughs> I don't know, like, yeah, you can actually pull that off. So only you could probably do that, though. So, um, But there are some things at first glance that when you look at them, they, they really seem easy to do, you know? Like, you say, oh, that's so easy. When you start into them, you realize this is going to be a lot harder than I thought it was going to be. Uh, and sometimes actually impossible. But once you really understand what it is and actually how to go about it, when there's an actual method that you're supposed to go about, it becomes actually not impossible. It becomes actually relatively easy, as I just showed you. There actually is an easy way to do it. Well, in this three-part series, we have looked at, at the, uh, we've looked at the nature of love, loving God, loving from the heart, and loving others. Um, and that's what we're going to be looking at tonight is loving others. And this is, this three-part series, this is the bedrock of what it means to live unstained. This is what it means to live unstained. At first glance, it may seem like loving other people is really easy to do. However, once you start trying, you begin to realize it's, it's almost impossible. It's almost impossible to love people. In fact, it is impossible. But although it seems impossible, it actually is not. It's not. Mark 10, uh, tw uh, uh, verse 17, describes for us a, a common, a familiar uh, story. And I want to read this to you so you guys are, uh, can remember what this is. It says, as Jesus was setting out on a journey, a man ran up, ran up to him and knelt before him and asked him, good teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good uh, except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, teacher, I have kept all these from things from, up, uh, from my youth up. Looking at him, Jesus felt a love for him and said to him, One thing you lack, go and sell all your possessions and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven, and come follow me. But at these words he was saddened, and he went away grieving, for he was one who owned much property. And Jesus, looking around, said to his disciples, How hard it will be for those who are wealthy to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus again uh, said to them, Children, how hard is it to enter the kingdom of God? 
it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. They, uh, they were even more astonished and said to him, then who can be saved? Looking at, the, at them, Jesus said, with people it is impossible, but not with God, for all things are possible with God. With what we've learned through this series is that it is impossible to love. It is absolutely impossible. It's impossible to love God. And what we realize tonight is that if it's impossible to love God, it's impossible to love others as well. And what we've learned so far in our series is that uh, we've learned when it comes to loving God that there are a couple different qualities. First, that love is a commitment. It is a commitment. Uh, it takes devotion and loyalty. Uh, it is a steadfast, immovable stand for God. And second, love is a choice. It's a choice. Uh, it is selective. It chooses one thing as opposed to something else. When confronted with a choice, love for God always says, I choose God every single time. And third, love requires a heart change. It requires a heart change. Uh, the first two qualities of love, commitment and choice, are all well and good, but you can't actually fulfill that kind of love for God. It's just not in your nature. You have no capacity to do it. Uh, but with God, all things are possible. With God, all things are possible. And so love requires that God actually changes your heart. And that's what, we that's what we see happens in the gospel. When Jesus died on the cross and rose from the dead, he entered into a new covenant with humanity. And the new covenant is really just an agreement between God and man. That no longer will man try and ultimately fail to love God, but that God instead will infuse his spirit into their souls so that they have the capacity to now love him. And that is what Ezekiel 36, 26, and 27 tells us. Moreover, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will be careful to observe my ordinances. And so that's what we learned about loving God. But we also learned about loving from the heart. What does it mean to love God from the heart? Uh, God needs to change your heart in order to love him. And so that's what we talked about last time. But what does it mean to actually love God from the heart? Well, obviously, it's a supernatural act of God. But what does it look like, and how do I know I'm loving God from the heart? That's the question. Well, we first defined what the heart is. What is the heart? It's a physical organ in your body, that's for sure. You know, the thing that's beating inside of you, right? Uh, that's part of it. But it's not just the physical organ. It's also an emotional term, you know, Valentine's Day. You know, I love you with all my heart, right? It's an emotional term. But it's not just an emotional term, it's also a spiritual term. Uh, it's talking about the inner person, who you are inside. And so we answered what the heart is, but we also answered what does the, uh, how does the heart work? And we talked about how it's made up of three parts. The heart is made up of the mind, it's made up of the willpower, and it's made up of the emotions. And all those things work in tandem together. But then we answer the question, how does God change your heart? How does God change your heart? And we talked about the fact that God has to actually interrupt the direction that your heart is heading. Your heart is heading down a path of sin, 
and God has to change that direction. And then finally, we ask the question, how do you make changes in your heart? How do you actually change who you are on the inside? Once God has transformed you, how do you begin living that out from, the, from your heart, from the inside out? And so that's when I gave you guys questions like, where do you turn for comfort or security or hope uh, when you run into problems? Or a question like, what do you find yourself thinking about throughout the day? Those reveal the stuff that's inside your heart so you can begin to deal with it. But now we turn our attention to loving others. What does it mean to love others? Uh, when God has changed our hearts so that we can actually love and obey him, we now have the capacity and the responsibility and the privilege of loving God. We do. And in the same way, having our hearts changed by God also gives us the capacity and the responsibility and the privilege of loving other people. But what does that look like? What does that look like? And how do I actually get that to happen in my life? How can I begin loving others? Well, tonight, I want to walk you through four truths about loving others, okay? Four truths about loving others to get you ready to do it and to do it well, okay? So what's our first truth? The first one is this. Number one, love for others comes from your love uh, for God. Love for others comes from your love for God. Okay. In other words, your love for God is the source of your love for others. Your love for God is the source. A love for God actually drives any kind of love that you have for other people. That's the way it should work. Uh, you cannot have a plant without seed, right? Uh, it's impossible. The seed is the source of the plant. You cannot have milk without a cow or a goat, okay? Uh, the cow or the goat is the source uh, of its milk. You cannot have bacon without a pig, okay? Because the pig is the source of the delicious, juicy bacon, right? Uh, you cannot have love for others without a love for God. It's just impossible. Love for God is the source of a love that you have for other people. Uh, open your Bibles to 1 John chapter 4. Actually, I forgot to get my Bible out. That'd be a good idea. 1 John chapter 4. And we're going to look at verse 20. Yeah, 1 John 4, verse 20. It says this, If anyone says, I love God, and he hates his brother... He is a liar, for the one who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And what's he talking about here? Loving others is glued to loving God, and loving God is glued to loving others. You cannot separate the two. It's, it's impossible. Uh, the Apostle John says it's, it's really impossible to love God if you don't love others. It's impossible because loving others naturally comes from loving God. You cannot break the chain that God has created here, okay? And think about that for a moment. If I don't love others, what does that mean? I do, probably don't love God, right? That's what that's talking about. And if I don't love God, what could that mean? I may not be a Christian, right? 
And so loving others is critical. It's really critical. Uh, but now just to be clear, loving others doesn't save you. It doesn't save you. But it can be a good test to see if you are already saved or not. Okay? And so if a love for God drives your love for others, then it should be the same kind of love. So in other words, when you love other people, uh, we're not talking about emotional love. We're talking about a commitment and a choice. You are, are you devoted to, uh, to other people, and, and do you make a concerted effort to choose to serve them rather than yourself? That's the question we're talking about when we're talking about loving others. So one of the most popular verses about love in the Bible actually doesn't even have the word love in it. Uh, and it's probably one you're very familiar with, actually. Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit, but with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Okay? So that's, that's, that is what it means to love other people. Uh, really, a love for people comes from a love for God. And does that characterize your life? Does that characterize your life? It's a good question to ask yourself. Do I love people because I love God? Because I love God, okay? Number two, number two, love for others is motivated by God's love for you. Love for others is motivated by God's love for you. Uh, our own love for God is the source of our love for others, but God's love for us is the motivation for uh, our love for others. As Christians, we want to funnel the love of God, the love that God has poured out in our hearts into the lives of other people. That's what we want to do. That's what we're trying to get after. Uh, if you're still in 1 John 4, uh, look at the very the verse right before 1 John uh, 4.20, okay? Uh, verse 19. This is probably a verse you are very familiar with. We love because he first loved us. You guys see that there? We love because he first loved us. A couple of years back, I got a letter in the mail from a close friend of mine, and I opened it up and found a check for several hundred dollars, okay? Several hundred dollars. And I don't know what you think is like really um, uh, like a lot of money, but to me back then that was a lot of money because I was kind of broke, so uh, I really could have used that money. And uh, I read the note that they sent me in there, and, and I realized why they sent me the money. He said, he said something like this, uh, Dear James, we have recently received a large sum of money, and when we heard about the fact that you were having car trouble and needed several hundred dollars worth of repairs, we wanted to share this with you. Now, that's pretty awesome, right? Like someone would actually send you money and they're thinking about you because they know you need the money. Well, the money was actually a few hundred dollars more than I needed for the car repair. It was a, it was a substantial amount. And I was so overwhelmed by their generosity that I decided to give some of that leftover money to other people uh, because I, I really wanted to, to share uh, that same kind of concern for other people as well. The, the same concern that they showed for me, I wanted to share it with other people. And, and that's, that's kind of the idea of what we're talking about here. Christians love because God first loved them. They want to show the same kind of love. When God sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross, and to rise from the dead, he demonstrated the greatest possible love. Uh, John 15, 13 says, Greater love has no one than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. 
But as Romans 5, 7, and 8 says, one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for a good man someone would dare even to die. But God demonstrates his love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God loved us more than, any, than anyone else could, and that love enters into us and then exits out through us. That's the way it should work. Uh, we don't want to keep all God's love to ourselves. We want to share that love. We want to give that great love that we've been given. Okay. Number three, number three, love for others celebrates God's love. Love for others celebrates God's love. And so far, the truths that we've been talking about are kind of like this, okay? Um, here's, you know, love for God or, uh, or God's love for us. And what it does is it goes this way, okay? And it acts kind of like a boomerang, okay? When you throw a boomerang, uh, you throw it out, and it goes a certain direction, right? Well, eventually, the boomerang has to go back. It has to go back to you, right? And so there's a sense in which loving others begins to point people back to God's love. Uh, and it celebrates God's love in that way. Um, I think I've told you this before, but my favorite college football team is the Ohio State Buckeyes, okay? And you're like, well, I don't care. That's really dumb. Well, that's fine. You can think that. Uh, but this, the really cool thing about the Ohio State Buckeyes is there's actually – there's, um, there's something that is actually really cool about them that has nothing to do with their team at all. Um, they actually have an incredible marching band. I don't know if you guys knew this, but they have an incredible marching band. And uh, you're like, well, how incredible can it be? You know, marching bands are pretty dumb. Like, you know, like when you go to like high school football games, sometimes like, are they even on key? Like, I don't even know. Like, sometimes they're good, sometimes they're not. I don't know. If you're playing a band, I really apologize. I'm not trying to bash them or anything, okay? Uh, but... The Ohio State marching band is one of the best marching bands in the country. It is. And it's not just the way they play. It's their choreography. It's their marching patterns. And I want to show you guys, actually, what I'm talking about, okay? Yes. I want to show you. If you, you might have seen this before, but I want to show you this. Okay, I don't have any audio. Or maybe I'll try. Okay. Can you hear that? Yeah, you can hear that. Okay, look. Look at that. Like, how do you pull that off? That's, that's supposed to be Superman, as it says at the corner there, okay? Harry Potter. He's trying to grab the golden finch, okay? So that's what that weird gold thing looking is that's flying around. Yeah. There's actually a guy in the field he's going to eat, but it won't show it. <laughs> it's pretty awesome. This is Pirates of the Caribbean. They're facing off against each other, right? Look at that. Not only do they, they tip the ship over, but it sinks. How crazy is that? Isn't that crazy? Their marching band is nuts, okay? Um, so anyways. Oops. So that, that, that just gives you a taste of kind of what they're like, all right? 
Uh, the Ohio State Marching Band, what are they doing there? They're celebrating a bunch of blockbuster movies, right? There's a bunch of blockbuster movies that they're celebrating. This was all done in one, like in 10 minute period of time they were doing all this, okay? Um, they're celebrating like movies like Superman and Jurassic Park and Harry Potter and Pirates of the Caribbean, right? They celebrate these movies by, by doing amazing imitations of them. Uh, that's the way you show, it's, a, it's their way of showing honor to those movies, you know, of, of how great they are and stuff. Well, in one sense, loving others is no different. You celebrate God's love by imitating it, okay? Uh, Ephesians 4.32 says this, Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. By loving others, you show the world that God loves and that God is love, okay? Loving others is a witnessing tool that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever, whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. It's a witnessing tool. And so loving others is not just the end goal, but it's also, uh, it's also something that promotes God's love. It's like promotional material. It's like a commercial uh, that begs you to buy into God's love. That's what loving others does, okay? Um, here's a good example of, of how that looks. Uh, I have an older sister named Krista, and she's married now, and she has three kids, so she's like in her 30s. But when Krista was a kid, like around the age of eight or so, uh, she had a rough time at school uh, because there was this bully named Robin, and Robin would always just give her a hard time on the bus or at school and stuff like that. And we just, she would just... I don't, she would just like, um, what'd she do? She would, she would make fun of her. She would, she would laugh at her. She would make jokes about her. She would call her names, that kind of stuff. Uh, well, obviously, as you can imagine, that'd be pretty tough to deal with as a little kid, right? Well, my parents found out about the situation, and they normally, uh, sorry, they came up with a really clever plan. And normally, uh, parents would call the school or the bus company and report the problem, and that's fine. That's a good thing to do. But my parents had something else in mind. They had something else in mind. They saw this as a witnessing opportunity to this girl named Robin. Uh, and what they did was uh, they had, my, my mom made chocolate chip cookies, these warm, nice, gooey chocolate chip cookies, gave them to Krista, and sent Krista over to Robin's house and, and to deliver these cookies to Robin. So Krista knocks on the door, and Robin, uh, Robin opens uh, the door. She sees Krista. She's surprised, and then she gets a scowl on her face, and she's like, what are you doing here? And Krista's like, well, I baked you some chocolate chip cookies. And Robin's like, oh. And she just kind of takes them and quietly and just kind of shuts the door and is like, thank you, and just kind of leaves. Well, after that day, Robin stopped bullying Krista. And not only that, they became best friends. It was crazy. And they're actually like really good friends today. Like they keep in touch and everything. So like it's really crazy. And I think even Robin came to be a Christian because of what Krista did. And so loving others, is it, it actually has a redeeming influence. There's actually value to it. Uh, it actually uh, celebrates the love that God has poured out in our lives as well. So uh, one simple act of love demonstrates the love of Christ, uh, and that can win people over to him. So uh, number four, number four, fourth and finally, love for others takes work. It takes work, okay? Uh, it's important to realize where our love for others should come from. Uh, it comes from our love uh, for God first, 
It is important to understand why we should love others. We should love them because we are motivated by God's love for us. And it's important to see the purpose of our love for others. The purpose is to point to and celebrate God's love for us. But while that is all true and vital, the fourth and final point is that love for others takes work. It takes work. It really does. And while that's, you know, while the first three points are true, to love others really takes a lot of work and there's no easy way around it. There really is no easy way around it. Uh, it is essential to get the first three points down, but once you do, now the work really begins. Loving others is not easy. And let me give you four examples of, of how love takes work, okay? Number one, love requires thoughtfulness and purpose. It requires thoughtfulness and purpose. Uh, if you're going to love other people, you can't walk into it without a plan. You can't. And the reason why is because we are prone to sin. We are prone to sin. Uh, we are really bent toward loving ourselves, not toward loving other people. And so this is a huge challenge. We have to come with a plan to, to tackle uh, this idea of loving ourselves and to replace it with loving other people. Uh, Ephesians 5.29 says, For no one ever hated his own flesh, but instead he nourishes and takes care of it. That's what we do. That's what we naturally do. That's our gut instinct. Uh, if you're going to be a Christian who loves other people, don't expect it to happen naturally. Uh, you need to have a plan. So think through ways you can serve people in your life. Give yourself concrete goals of how I'm going to love my mom today or how I'm going to love uh, my brother or my sister today or my friends or something like that. Have ideas. Be purposeful. Here's an example. Uh, perhaps you want to, you know, love your mom more or something like that. You want to actually show love to her. Well, make a plan this week to wash the dishes from dinner three times without being asked. You know, make that plan. That's, that's what's being, I mean, that's what's being, uh, that's what it means to be thoughtful, to be purposeful. That's what it means to love others. But number two, love requires action and effort. Once you have the plan, now you got to put it into action. It actually takes effort. Uh, you can strategize and plan all you want until you're blue in the face, but if you don't actually do it, it's going to mean nothing, okay? Uh, if you're the kind of person that has a hard time getting up and doing something, here's an idea. Identify what distracts you. What distracts you in life? Because more often than not, the reason you, you uh, procrastinate or have a hard time getting moving on what you want to do is because there's something that's distracting you. There's something that's pulling you away. You know, put aside the video games, put aside the eye touch or the iPhone or whatever you have that's distracting you. Uh, put aside the book or that, 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 you know, you're getting wrapped up in. Look for ways to serve other people. And not that those, all these devices or, or whatever you do is, is not, is, it's bad or anything. It's not bad. It's just, if it's keeping you from loving other people, put it aside so you can actually begin to love them. Um, you know, be like the Nike slogan, just do it. Just do it, you know? Uh, when it comes to loving other people, sometimes it just comes down to just, you just got to do it, okay? Number three, love requires diligence and persistence. Uh, even if you do it, it is hard to be diligent and persistent with it. It really is. Uh, but love for others demands that you be faithful and make sure it's not just a one-time thing. Uh, this is where planning really comes into play, okay? You don't want to just have a goal to do something one time, 
have goals and plans to love people for a long period of time. Have a goal for this week. Have a plan for this month, this year even. You know, I want to accomplish this and this and this. And be really specific about it. Um, Number four, love requires tact and patience. Love requires tact and patience. Okay? There are times when you do something nice for someone and either they misinterpret your nice gesture for something mean, that can actually happen, or they just get irritated by something and they just blow up at you regardless of what you're doing. Um, Those things actually happen and love requires that you need to be patient and you need to use what we call tact in dealing with them, okay? Now, if you're like, what is tact? What does that mean? Tact is a short word that simply means you are sensitive and you are trying to deal with a person or a situation delicately, okay? Uh, you, you, you want to um, respond, them, respond to them in a way that you, you are very sensitive to what's going on, okay? So if someone gets mad at you uh, for being, you know, loving, uh, you know, don't lose your love in that moment and blow up at them. Be patient. Be patient. Sometimes people can misunderstand your love. Um, and so you need to be patient. 1 Corinthians 13.4, the very first thing it says about love, and this is the most common passage about love in the Bible. Everyone's you know, very familiar with this. The first thing it says about love is, love is patient. Love is patient. I think it's very fitting because ultimately when it comes down to it, if you're going to love someone, you have to have a character quality called patience because love is not easy. It's not easy, okay? So love takes a lot of work, but it's not impossible. Uh, it is actually very, very possible, and it is expected of us, and it will happen for those of us who are Christians. We will love people because we first and foremost love God, okay? You guys are swamped and surrounded by peer pressure. I know you are. Even if you're homeschooled, there's still an element of peer pressure. It's everywhere. Uh, your friends, your peers, whoever you interact with, they're trying to suck you into their lifestyle. Uh, they're, tr- they're influencing you whether you realize it or not. And the question is, what can keep you unstained by this world? What can keep you unstained by this world? Well, we've learned a couple of different things, right? Love God first and foremost. Love God. By loving God, you diffuse the bomb before it ever goes off. When your friends are tempting you one way or another, you are already committed to loving God first and foremost, and you are running their ideas, their sinful practices through your grid of loving God. And you're asking yourself, will this honor him? Will this honor him? That's what you're asking yourself. And when you realize, no, this is not going to honor God, then you're going to diffuse the situation right from the start because you say, no, I want to love God. Okay? So what can keep you unstained by this world? Love God, but also love from the heart. Love from the heart. It is not a superficial love for God that is going to help you. You can't actually withstand temptation from the outside world just by saying, well, I love God. You actually have to love God from the heart. You have to be a Christian. You have to be someone who is committed to it and committed to dealing with your heart desires. So, uh, loving God from the heart 
ensures that you will stand strong when you are tempted by your friends. But what else can keep you from uh, unstained from the world? Love others. Love others. A lot of Christians fall down at this particular point. They really do. Because what they're looking for in friendships is what can I get out of this friendship? That's what a lot of people are asking. And you may not even, you may not even realize it. But that's the question probably every single person in this room, including myself, asks themselves. What can I get out of this friendship? But the question you need to really be asking yourself is, not what can I get out of this, what can I give to this? What can I give to this? By choosing to love your friends, you are not looking to buy what they are selling. You are looking to sell something. You are looking to sell Jesus Christ to them. That's what you're doing. You want to sell them what it really means to live life to the fullest. And that is to love God, to love others, and to do it with all of your heart and with all of your soul. So that's our series, right, through uh, Unstained. Love God, love from the heart, love others. That is the foundation of what it means to be unstained. Now, starting next semester, starting next semester, I want to start unpacking this because we've only talked about kind of a big picture right now. We've only got a big picture, but I want to jump into the details. What does that mean in your life? What does it mean to love God in your prayer life? What does it mean to love God in, in, in studying the word of God and learning the Bible? What does that mean? What does it mean to love others in, like, like loving your parents or loving your friends or loving people you don't like? Or loving people who are weird, you know, or just, just kind of rub your fur the wrong way or something like that. What does it mean to love God from the heart? What does it mean to love God with your desires? What does it mean to love God with your emotions? What does it mean to love God with your attitudes? Okay? So I want to explore all that kind of different stuff and get really practical next semester, okay? But hopefully, this gives you a foundation to understand where we're going and where we're headed, okay? So let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you have not left us to ourselves, and that it is not impossible to love genuinely you and to love other people. Father, we have the capacity to do it if we are believers in Jesus Christ because you have given us your Holy Spirit who gives us and pours out the love of God inside of us. But Father, I pray if there's anyone in this room who is not a Christian, who does not know you, who has never really loved you and never really loved others before, Father, convict them of their sin and drive them to the cross. Help them to see that that sin, all that sin, even from the inside out, is all covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. When you rose from the dead, Father, you've given us a new way of life, and we have that great privilege and joy to live in a way that loves you and loves other people and really communicates that you're worth it, Father. You really are, and Jesus Christ is worth it. So bless our time now, Father, as we transition into a small group setting. May we uh, uh, think practically about these things and, and look for ways to change in our, in our own lives, Father. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.